Welcome to the podcast, Leadership is the Conversation. A discussion with today's top business executives on management and leadership topics to help busy managers. In the studio is Ron Kripe, Tom Meyer, and Jim Dixon of Equus Consulting, and I'm your host, Rick Ainsworth. So this morning, what I kind of wanted to do was set up the next um, three podcasts for our listeners. Part one of the podcast um, is to go back over and, and look at uh, the 14 episodes and what were some of the nuggets that we got from our guests, because we had a lot of great guests, uh, a lot of fantastic discussion, and and talk a little bit about the lessons learned from those folks. And then part two um, is reflect on the year, uh, because we, we've been involved in a lot of programs uh, through a lot of our, our client companies and have been able to observe a lot of what has gone on in 2021. And then finally, the third part of our podcast here will be what are we seeing coming up? What are the challenges that we're going to face in 2022 and how do we carry the lessons that we've learned in 2021 over to 2022? Um, Ann McMillan uh, was, one, was our actually our, our first guest at the very beginning of the year, we were talking about remote workers and how we, you know, the things that we need to to look at as we manage remote workers. And you know, she started talking about work-life balance, and one of the new skills that we have to learn as managers is is help our employees through that work-life balance. Yeah, and building on that too, I think one of the things as I listen to the podcast from this last year that's obvious is one of the key elements in development is not the theory of development it's the application and reflection about Mm -hmm. that development actually it's reverse reflection and then application and it's obvious that the clients that have been on the podcast this last year have actually done that they've reflected on the theory then they've actually been able to apply it to like a work-life balance situation that type of thing. And even most recently, when we were doing some programs outside the podcast, uh, th- we've demonstrated that in like case study work and that type of thing. I think that, that's really, really very exciting. Rick? The um, one thing you uh, made me think of, Rick, by mentioning Ann McMillan, and that was um, I do remember her saying that it was really important to be flexible as a manager. Um, I hadn't really thought of it as being that simple. Yeah. And last year, the flexibility was was probably one of the the, the most uh, used skills that we 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 had. Well, so here's a here's an interesting observation that I had about the the work life balance because it comes up in every coaching conversation I have with our clients. I think the awareness for me is this: um, I've never throughout COVID, I've never not come into the office. Right. I've never not been here. So day in, day out, I, my routine did not change. And I am, I'm one of those folks that cannot, I can't crash from one thing into the next. I have to have transitions and space for transitions. Um, so that, that whole idea of getting up, taking a shower, getting dressed, getting in the car, remembering what I have to take to work, driving in, 
you know, because it's a 15, 20 minute commute, getting here, getting the office set up, all of those things allow me a really nice transition into my day because I'm not crashing in a five minute interval from one thing into the next. I'm not pulling, you know, dishes out of the sink and then turning right around and sitting down at my home office that's at the kitchen table. And I, I think work-life balance is is more an issue of managing those psychological transitions from one thing to the next. And, and you know, and you have to figure out how to do that if you don't have the physical transitions to do that for you. Right. You, I kind of, kind of laughed, Tom, our listeners who know you. Wow, it almost sounds like you got structure in your life. Oh, I have a lot of structure. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of structure. But, you know, that's one of the things I think that, that was brought out in that series of podcasts. You know, when people went remote, they lost that structure. Yep. That was one of the things that, that Ann was saying that managers have to provide for them is some form of structure. Yep. Well, and that kind of dovetails into, you know, the, the next several episodes that we had. Uh, we had Christine Purdy of Salina insurance group and Jamie Terry from Mountain West Farm Bureau who talked about you know as you bring those people back into the office and everything we needed to learn about physical safety psychological safety being transparent as a corporation the new you know new lessons that the corporation had to learn to bring people back in mm-hmm well, and, you know, I'm going to give a, a huge acknowledgement to any organization that found themselves, Salina Insurance, Mountain West, or any other of our client companies that really struggled through that conversation. I think they have done a masterful, masterful job of handling that issue in a professional way. Right. Mm-hmm. And I some agree. of the other cultural systems, governmental systems that we have are doing it in a really poor way because it's become polarized and nasty and and just opinionated and like we're seeing right. the work COVID is is forced us into seeing the best and the worst of people. And our and our client companies in that mandated development are like, hey, we've got to figure out a way through this with a minimum of drama and noise and chaos. Right. <laughs> right. And also, actually, building on that thought, too, is one of the concepts that many listeners might actually remember is through Peter Senge that we talk about the mental models. Mm-hmm. Well, when you think about development, you know, and, and whether I'm going to change or not, you have to kind of uh, kind of look at the mental models that have gotten you to where you are. Well, in the business environment, you mentioned bringing people back to work. The mental models is, is everybody's working in one place. But both Jamie and, and uh, Christine actually demonstrated the fact that, no, we got to get out of that mental model right. and actually mo- look at another mental model. Maybe We have to create work. our own roadmap. Right. So right. can we virtually work? Can we have people in the office? Can we do a hybrid approach? Mm-hmm. So it is a different mental model than we had before. Yeah. The whole thing I took from that series was that as our client corporations figured out there was no longer a single method that could be applied to everybody. Right. (music) 
So one of the things I, I, I really wanted to touch on with that in that episodes five through seven with uh, Christine Purdy and Jamie Terry, I think it was Jamie from Mountain West, was talking about the overcommunication they really went through bringing people back, which kind of highlighted to me how corporations were being really transparent in throughout this whole process of bringing people back you know, as, as a means of creating that work environment where people felt safe mm-hmm. to come back. Brene Brown has talked about vulnerability for years. Right. And organizations through this idea of mandated development have been plunged right into that. So, so Jamie was talking about the fact that they're figuring out what they need to do and what policies they need to set in front of people. Right. And not only are they doing it in front of people, they're talking about it. I mean, they're, they're, they're being very open. They're being, being very transparent. Even when that transparency is, hey, we haven't figured this out yet. We're working on it. Hold, please. We'll, we'll yeah. be right back with you. And uh, I was thinking about a conversation, two conversations that I've had with two different companies this week. One example I have is a, is a conversation I had with a senior executive. He was talking about how they have struggled with their company through this whole issue of, you know, COVID and, and flexible workplaces and what do they do about that and, and how do they address it and with a very transparent end. And the benefit of that mm-hmm. is the conversations that are coming up are centered around how do we resolve this issue and keep our values as an organization completely intact. And they have a very strong value system around their people and around those relationships and around uh, that as being a massive competitive advantage for them. So they're getting to the other side of this in a way that is keeping that intact. Yeah, and you bring up one thing that I think is really important is that through this COVID thing, Companies are focusing on two things. You know, companies always focused on on profit and, and uh, efficiency and everything. Yep. Now they're focusing on values and culture. Yes, some are. Yeah, it, it, we can absolutely explore that. So, so then I was in a in a in a impromptu conversation with clients from another one of our companies, and and they were talking about how this whole thing is not being handled in that way doesn't seem as transparent doesn't feel as transparent and it seems like more of a tactical exercise that is devoid of any conversation about the employees and right. devoid of any conversation around the impact it's all focused on how do we you know how do we get back to what we were before covid and the comment that I heard from one of the employees is, it feels like we're changing who we are. Yeah. Well, and that kind of reminds me of something Jim was just talking about. You know, we've got corporations who are, I shouldn't say corporations, not corporations. It's the leaders within those companies. Yes. Who are flexible in learning new skills to bring people out versus leaning into the way that they've always done it. Right, and Tom, you actually used the phrase, how do we get back to where we were before? Well, first of all, the learning is you're not. We right? don't. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a whole new world, all right, and it isn't the model that you had before. And I know leaders struggle a little bit with trying to get to the new place that they right. need to be. Uh, in fact, 
when I believe it was Jamie or Christine, I can't remember who it was in the podcast, when we were talking about psychological safety, one of the realizations is that psychological safety is an individual thing. Mm-hmm. So through COVID, we have some people who are comfortable with this and some people who are not comfortable with this. Well, before, we just set a policy and that was it. Comfortable or not, this is right. what we're going to do. Right. Well, now we got to realize that, okay, we're going to do this policy that 80% of the people are going to be really comfortable with, but another 20% we have to kind of have a little bit of variance for that. Right. Yeah. I think what we're all finding out is how you as a leader handle that situation is going to say volumes about, number one, your leadership style, and number two, what you prize in terms of the culture you're trying to create in your organization it shows up in, in that kind of technicolor way that is just never captured by a vision or mission statement. Right. Yeah. And the other thing, too, when we were talking about values, I think the circumstances that have presented themselves in this past year have actually got us to analyze what is the real meaning of this value. When mm-hmm. we say a particular value, we're really a stand for this. Well, what is this? Let's actually analyze that a little more, mm-hmm. more carefully. You know, if we're customer focused, what does customer focus look like? Right. So we talk to those folks in the hallways, and what people are telling us is this it is, yes, we, we get the vision, we get the goals, we get the structure, we get the results and the targets that we need to hit. All of that is important, and that has never not been on our radar. What you can also do to help us is put in place like some of our more successful companies have and what we advocate, put in place a series of values. (laughs) Put in place a series of cultural touch points that say this is what we stand for, this is what we're about, this is how we're going to treat our employees, this is how we're going to handle a very unpredictable set of circumstances by not losing track of who we are as a company. And when you do that, you're going to get to the other side of this. Not yeah. completely unscathed, but but hopefully with a majority of your workforce intact. Those last couple of words, workforce intact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was one of the things that, that came out of our discussion with uh, Kim Gibson and Mary Atwood uh, yeah. down at Unum. They, along with you, Tom, hit on a fantastic program, the launch program, Mm-hmm. that actually was geared towards helping their employees with their career development. I actually, I went back and listened to one of those early podcasts, and you were one of the first, Tom, that talked about retention and people resigning early in the year because of companies not paying attention to the development of their employees. So they were leaving Mm-hmm. because companies weren't paying attention. And Unum had found out that if you pay attention to the development and help them, they're going to stay. Yep. So you were one of the leading people on the great resignation, uh, identifying that great resignation way early in the year. So I found that interesting when listening to Kim and Mary about career development as a retention tool. Yeah, yeah I think when we reflect on this past year and that particular factor, that most of the people who are, if you want to call it, leaving companies mm-hmm. uh, or actually participating in the great resignation, I think the reason is the quote-unquote company, if you will, is not actually kind of meeting the needs, the individual needs that they have. 
I think the program, mm-hmm. Rick, that you uh, speak of really shows that that company is really focusing on what the individual career needs are of the people in that company. So right. I think when you analyze things, they're you know ahead of the curve, so to speak, on that. So kind of wrapping up this first part, I want to touch on the the last couple of episodes that we had with uh, Christy Curry and Chad Dorr mm. uh, from Kentucky. They were, were real laser focused on relationship and relationship building and, you know, building that culture. Yes. They really talked about, you know, the new skills needed by our leaders were more focused on relationship building, empathy. I I remember Chad talking about, you know, how do we encourage and promote uh, empathy within our leaders and getting more clarity out of the language that we use around that. I think they're an excellent example of a company, uh, and I will use that word company, that actually rallies around the real meaning of the values. Mm-hmm. I mean, they yes. have they have spur- right. certain values, but they they dig down. Both Christy and Chad uh, talk about you know, like how how does this demonstrate itself? Let's make sure that our leaders have this. You know, not just let's put a placard up. You know, no, let's <laughs> let's let's dig deep. What does that value yeah. mean? It, here's what I see that absolutely works for them. Mm-hmm. They do have a very, very clear set of values, four values that they live and breathe and talk about and put into practice. They also have a rock-solid leadership team um, that, that I am consistently impressed by. Mm-hmm. And, and I, think it's, I think it's both. I think when you have a rock-solid set of cultural touch points and values, you pull in leaders that believe in that right? because they don't stay if they don't. And then it ends up getting threaded to the very, very almost conversational level of the organization. Here, and here's a really good practical example that we have all experienced. I've very rarely ever left a conversation with one of their leaders, uh, one in particular, that that person doesn't say, we appreciate you. That phrase, we appreciate you, right. is threaded through every experience that they have verbally and non-verbally. Think about that. Think about how if you really operated from that Kentucky place of first and foremost, we appreciate you, how different would the world be? How different would your company be? And Tom, that's a perfect example of what I was talking about. Maybe the value, I don't know whether this is true or not, but maybe the value is valuing relationships yes Mm -hmm. well that is a way that you value relationships yep saying we appreciate you thank you jim ron tom for today's conversation this was definitely a year to remember and i want to end our podcast today by thanking all of our clients for your creativity, your insights, and most importantly, your friendship. And to our loyal listeners, thank you for being a part of the conversation.
All views expressed on this podcast are the opinions of the individual participants and do not necessarily represent the views of any organization, employer, or group.